Today in Science from Wired. This episode is brought to you by ShipStation. You know, some things take a lot of work, like sending little robots to far off distant planets. And just as that's challenging, so too is running a successful e-commerce business, especially when there's so much to do. So I want to introduce you all to ShipStation. Now, I love using ShipStation because of its easy-to-use dashboard, which makes managing orders and printing labels a breeze and super smooth. Oh, and the customer service is just out of this world. It's exactly what you need to help grow your business. Sign up for your free 60-day trial at ShipStation.com slash technews. That's ShipStation.com slash technews. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Our show features our team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. And they'll help you make the most of your money while cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. You'll get clarity on strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Today in Science from Wired. Support for this podcast and the following message comes from TD Ameritrade. TD Ameritrade's learning experience is curated from their vast library of exclusive content and customizes to fit your investing goals and interests. Get started at tdameritrade.com education. COVID-19 immunity may rely on a microscopic helper, T-cells. Researchers have been looking beyond antibodies to understand how immunity to the new virus might work and how to design a vaccine. By Gregory Barber. If you want to know if you've been infected with SARS-CoV-2, the natural thing to do is to get a blood test. These look for antibodies, proteins that signal your body has encountered a virus and could perhaps be protected from catching it again. But recently, a study published in Nature Medicine introduced a worrying complication. Researchers in Chongqing, China, followed 37 people who had tested positive for the virus but didn't show symptoms during their illness, in other words, who were asymptomatic, and tested their blood regularly. They found those antibodies didn't always last for long. In some cases, after two to three months, they were barely detectable. Thought a positive antibody test was your ticket out of this thing? It's not so simple. Simple, after all, is not a word immunologists would ever use to describe their field. Marcus Buggert, an immunologist at the Karolinska Institute in Sweden, had noticed a similar pattern among patients there. Cases where people who tested positive for the virus quickly lost their antibodies, or never appeared to muster those forces at all. That wasn't a big surprise. Antibodies had also waned in patients who recovered from SARS. But to Buggert, who studies T-cells, part of an orchestra of cells that perform in the body's immune response, the symphony appeared incomplete. Research from SARS offered hints that even if antibodies faded, some people retained immune cells that recognized the virus. Sometimes those responses could last for years. For SARS-CoV-2, similar dimensions of the immune response could have bearing on how immunity works and how to design a vaccine. Just because you can't detect antibodies in their blood doesn't mean there's no immune response, Buggert says. Antibodies are a critical component of immunity, especially the ones that neutralize the virus by homing in on the proteins that comprise it. They glom onto their target and prevent the virus from infecting cells. 
a good vaccine will try to replicate that kind of natural protection. Neutralizing antibodies are the holy grail, says Sally Permer, a vaccine researcher at Duke University. There are few to no viral vaccines where we're not shooting for that as an endpoint. But antibody levels are only part of the immunity story. While antibodies may wane past the limit of detection, that doesn't mean they go away entirely, and even a very low level could be protective. What's important when you've been exposed to the virus is how quickly you can ramp up those antibodies, Permer says. That involves a whole army of cells, which store knowledge of each new pathogen they encounter. There are B-cells, which help coax those virus-specific antibodies into existence, plus killer T-cells, which can learn to obliterate infected cells. Helper T-cells help orchestrate the whole process. You have multiple arms of the immune response, says Donna Farber, an immunologist at Columbia University who studies respiratory viruses. It's like the Army, the Navy, and the Air Force. If one branch stands down, the body hasn't necessarily lost its germ-fighting capacity. For vaccine researchers, those helper T-cells are of particular interest. They're the ones that rally the troops, kicking off the process that leads to antibody production. But so far, there hasn't been evidence that that's how the body is actually primed to fight SARS-CoV-2, says John Wary, an immunologist at the University of Pennsylvania. That's because T-cell responses are much harder to measure than antibody levels, requiring a lot of blood and fine-tuned instrumentation to wrangle the right kinds of immune cells. We lacked data on which cells, especially B and T-cells, are truly recognizing the virus, Wary says. There's a lot of noise. That makes it difficult to know if vaccine developers are really on the right track. Their hunch is based primarily on how the immune system responds to other pathogens. But some viruses evade the typical patterns. They short-circuit the immune response. The most infamous example of this is HIV, Wary says, which attacks the very T-cells that would coordinate the immune response to the virus. SARS-CoV-2 has already offered its own twists and turns, like its propensity to prompt runaway immune responses. For COVID-19, there's no prototypical immune response, especially in severe cases, Wary says. Lately, though, systemic studies of T and B cell responses to SARS-CoV-2 have begun to elicit some patterns. Recently, researchers at the La Jolla Institute for Immunology looked at T-cell responses in what they considered average cases of the disease, people who got sick but didn't need to be hospitalized. In a study published in Cell in May, they found that all of their subjects developed helper T-cells, and 70% had killer T-cells. The level of the T-cell response they found roughly corresponded with levels of neutralizing antibodies. Other studies, including a recent preprint from a team at Oxford, have come to similar conclusions. Simply having T-cells or even antibodies that recognize the virus doesn't mean you're protected. There's much more to learn about that, but on the vaccine front, the findings looked like good news. It's confirming that helper T-cells are going to be an important factor in generating a robust antibody response, Permer says. That's a relief for pharma companies trying to replicate that process with a vaccine. But immunology is never straightforward, remember? The La Jolla Group's findings came with a wrinkle. In a control group of blood donors who had never been exposed to SARS-CoV-2, the researchers also found T-cells that recognized the virus. They speculate that those T-cells might be cross-reactive with other viruses. Say you've had a lot of colds, especially colds caused by other coronaviruses. 
then perhaps your immune system is primed to recognize this new virus based on its experience with other viral proteins, the researchers suggested. It's too soon to tell if those particular T-cells offer any useful protection against SARS-CoV-2, the researchers caution. In fact, let's just make that the blanket caveat for now. But cross-reactive cells could have implications for vaccines too, Permer says. Those T-cells could be a good thing if they give their bearers a head start in producing antibodies after vaccination, or they could backfire if a vaccine stimulates them to generate the wrong kind of antibodies, elbowing out a more fine-tuned response to SARS-CoV-2. And what about when those antibodies wane in exposed people, or if they don't show up at all? To address that question, Bugert's team in Sweden took a slightly different approach. In addition to COVID-19 patients and two control groups, blood donors who gave samples before and after the pandemic began, they added members from the households of people with known cases. Those people, they reasoned, were at a greater likelihood of having been exposed to the virus than the general population, even if they had never shown symptoms or got tested. Like other researchers, Bugert's team saw cross-reactive T-cells in unexposed people. But they also looked for responses that were specific to this virus by identifying a unique array of viral proteins those T-cells recognized, a response not seen in the pre-pandemic blood donors. People who have really been infected with SARS-CoV-2 tend to respond against multiple different regions of the virus, Bugert explains. They have a broader response. In a few blood donations taken during the pandemic and in the household members of COVID-19 patients, they found that unique T-cell response, but no antibodies. That research hasn't been peer-reviewed yet, and it's a small study, Farber notes, with plenty of uncertainty. Ruling out cross-reactivity entirely is a difficult task. I think you need really big cohort studies to assess that this is possible, she says. And in any case, back to that original caveat, Nothing about the results say that a T-cell response alone confers immunity to COVID-19. But to Bugert, it demonstrates the importance of looking beyond antibodies alone when investigating potential immunity. One question that raises is whether surveys that estimate rates of infection based on antibodies alone might miss some cases. Antibody prevalence has been used as a proxy for infection rate numbers since so many people don't get tested when they have an active infection. Undercounting is possible, where he says, but he and others believe the uncounted would be relatively few. So far, only a few studies have identified cases like the ones in Sweden, where T-cells appear but antibodies do not. It's difficult to say whether that pattern would translate to different populations, and whether different blood tests might pick up different antibody responses. In any cases, an undercount assumes that all those people are actually protected from the virus, which is far from established. Think T-cells are the route to herd immunity? Don't count on it. The next step is answering that big caveat, what all this means for immune protection. Answers could come from longitudinal studies that profile the immune responses of people who have recovered from COVID-19, monitoring them for reinfection. Or, perhaps sooner, Permer notes, as more vaccine candidates enter efficacy trials this summer, producing a tidal wave of data on how the immune system works in people for whom the vaccine offers protection, or does not. If they don't protect 100% of the vaccine recipients, we need to know why there were failures, she says. Like what you learned? Subscribe everywhere you listen to podcasts and get more science news at wired.com science.
Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Our show features our team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. And they'll help you make the most of your money while cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. You'll get clarity on strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts.